Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for February 25th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we hear from row crop farmer Jim Carroll of Brinkley about the impact of last week's winter storm and the upcoming planting season. We also talk to Travis and Ashley Apple of Apple Farms in Elm Springs and get an update from the state legislature with Arkansas Farm Bureau's Jeff Pitchford. First up, the winter storm of 2021 is having a variety of impacts on agricultural producers. Snowmelt is an issue on some cropland as farmers prepare for spring planting season. Ken Moore spoke to Jim Carroll, who farms with his brother John near Brinkley, about the effects of the storm and other challenges as they prepare to plant this year's crops. Welcome to this post-winter storm 2021 edition of Arkansas AgCast. I'm Ken Moore. And today I'm visiting with good friend Jim Carroll. Jim and his brother John are row crop farmers. They grow rice and corn and soybeans over near Brinkley. And Jim, as you may recall from previous conversations we've had, is the past chair of the United Soybean Board in 2020. Jim, thanks for visiting with us just a few minutes today. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Ken. I'm glad to be with you again. All right. Well, Jim, here we are. Uh, the snow is gone for the most part. I imagine there may be a few little pockets of it that you might see on the landscape here and there, but it's really dramatically warmed up. Uh, I mean, we've been up in the high 60s. Some parts of Arkansas have even been in the low 70s uh, this week uh, after a big historic storm last week. Uh, as a crop farmer, I know it's important as we get to the 1st of March and into the spring season, uh, field preparation is very important for you. Have Were you able to get any field work done? Did most farmers get that done, do you think, before this winter storm hit us last week? Well, we didn't get anything done this spring. Now, we tried to get back on ours last fall because we rutted up a lot of things again. And the only thing we've got done before this storm was we got out of a few days of some burn down, which is a good, you know. Uh, the snow was bad, and, and I was surprised in the last day or two how much water it's leaving around, so we'll probably have a little flooding in some areas. Well, here we go again. Uh, springtime flooding on your cropland. Uh, we've had to deal with that for the last several years, not because of a snow melt, though. I mean, this put in perspective uh, this this snowstorm. I mean, we've had them before, but this was one for the record books, wasn't it? Well, I got to looking back in some of my historic pictures and things that I had, and I don't remember, Ken, us having a snow like this since the 60s. I was still in uh, school, and we had cattle back then, and Dad and I would have to get on a tractor to go down the road. The drifts were so high and go down and bust ice at the canals and stuff to get the cattle some water. So for me... That's nearly a whole lifetime to have a, a snow back in early life and then have one here, and I'm 69. So kind of puts it in perspective. They don't come too often like this one. Uh, how many inches did you and John get there on your farm last week? I would say between 10 and 12. I, I know the one day it snowed all day, I was looking at some of Ron's little chicken coops, and I could tell it had at least a good foot out there, you know, it uh that wasn't so bad, Ken. It was the, the temperatures. We got down to zero and four and 
five. I mean, the temperatures were terrible. We had prepared and luckily didn't lose any water lines and that type of stuff. I was going to ask, you know, it wasn't just the snow, but it was the record-breaking cold that we had for a couple of days. It it got down below zero, even as far south as southwest Arkansas, which is unheard of. Yes, sir. And, I, you know, I got a, uh, an old coon dog. Uh, he likes to be outside, but I had to fix up a windbreak and stuff just for that. I was afraid that, you know, if he stayed out too long or something, that it'd freeze his paws and stuff, and so I kept him as good as I could up in his house, you know. But uh, it's just hard on animals, and I know it was hard on our poultry farmers and, and the cattle guys that was dropping calves. Uh, it was just a very unusual type situation. Yeah, that's certainly true. Well, okay, so you've got some flooded fields. That's, you know, a lot of our rice ground is flooded this time of year anyway, but then they drain it and you hope for drying weather in the month of March so you can get a tractor out on the field and do some cultivation before you start planting. So uh, will this, do you think, uh, impact your planting plans at all? Uh, because And we got more rain coming this weekend, so that's just going to aggravate the problem, isn't it? Sure. I, I don't know, uh, Ken, if you compare it to the last three or four years, if we're any worse off because we've had these rains every spring, you know, it's been kind of out of the ordinary but, it, yeah, it'll slow us down. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we can release some of this water. We can keep fires till about the 1st of March just for the wildlife habitat. But we need to get it gone. And then whatever this comes this next week, uh, you know, if it was hard enough, it might pack this ground. Cause it's just like soup where this snow melted on it. And that would be a plus. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things the good Lord knows and we don't. You're right about that. Now, uh, one thing about extreme cold in the winter, we haven't had very many bitter cold winters to suppress uh, pest uh, infestation. So you think this might have a silver lining in that regard? Sure, I do. Uh, uh, funny things you asked that. I was out the day before yesterday just uh, looking at the situation on some of the farms, and I even saw some armadillos that had froze to death. And oh, I know something take that as a, a, a good thing but uh, the insects they can't stand some of that zero and four degrees and I'm sure that it's helped us in that that aspect and even the people with gardens and flyers that's it's got to be a plus yes sir now let's talk about uh, the better uh, grain product you and I've discussed and had this conversation in years past we've been waiting for bean and grain prices to uh to rise and, and uh, spike upwards. Well, they have. They did that uh, back in December and January, so you got better prices. Uh, how is that affecting your planting intentions? Well, uh, right now we're looking at, Ken, maybe not having uh, very much rice and, and uh, putting in the corn and beans just because we can do it cheaper. And uh, we're just set up with our, uh, we could dry it quicker there in our bins and we can get it harvested quicker than the rice. And so that's kind of our thoughts now to, to cut back on that and, and increase our acres on soy, beans, and corn. It's uh, been a long time coming for bean prices to come up here over $10, $12, hasn't it? It has. A, you know, I'm proud of that. I was chairman last year and still past here on the USB. And just to see this, uh, you know, things that we didn't know that we could reach out there in the soybean industry to get beans up at $14, which only happened a few times in the past. And 
what I think has really happened is a combination of a lot of things. We're finding so many new uses for soybeans, particularly in the oil and this demand with the COVID, uh, you know, people staying home, they're cooking more and that type of stuff, which means more cooking oil. It's just been a whole combination. The Chinese uh, part of it with the, the tariff trade issues, it's just one of those things that just came to a head at one time, and I think it's really boosted the prices for us. Well, I'm happy that that's happened, but uh, as one other farmer told me here about a month ago, along with the increase in grain prices is increase in input costs. So we're seeing fuel costs go up, fertilized costs go up correspondingly. Uh, in fact, I uh, topped off my truck today, and price of regular gas was about 15 cents higher than it was a week ago. <laughs> I mean, I yep. certainly hope yep. that doesn't keep going up. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I think that that's going to happen. I notice that fertilized prices are... Uh, a lot of people are looking at that right now. Uh, you know, that's a good input that we have to have on uh, rice and not so much on beans. So if that continues, you may see a shift to more soybeans than anything. I don't know. You know, it's just uh, it just comes with that kind of condition. So if we get better prices, the companies outside the farming industry want to get their share. Yes, sir. Well, let us hope that we have a little spell of uh, dry weather. I know we are expecting some rain in over the next few days, and that's kind of been the pattern over the last several years, as you've said already, as you get ready to plant in the months of uh, April and May. But uh, let us just hope that the good Lord gives you and all of our farmers some dry weather so you can get back out in the fields here before too long. Well, I appreciate that, and uh the other thing I'm seeing, Ken, before we get over here, it seems like we're not access to many parks this year. Like last year when COVID hit there in, in March, we I guess we had some inventory built up, but it seems like things are out there shorter and shorter on supplies that we might need, mm. and I don't know what that's going to do to us as we continue this year. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because certainly one year ago when the pandemic hit, it impacted the supply chain and uh, the ability to get the parts you needed for your equipment. And uh, I certainly hope that our farmers don't have that problem reoccur again this year. I understand. I, I just personally think it could be a little worse. I've checked around for, you know, things that are expendable, like uh, we need plows on a field cultivator and some of the implement places don't have any and and i'm just saying that it seems like that uh that wasn't the case last spring we could access things pretty readily but this year is a another year it always is unfortunately yes, it's another year yes, we never know what is going to come when we turn the calendar on on a new year and uh but we've got the winter storm behind us now we just got to let the ground dry out and things kind of settle, and let us hope that uh, over the next several months that uh, this pandemic will uh, run its course as well. I understand that you and your wife are getting your vaccines. We weren't even talking about that last spring, so now people are being vaccinated, and hopefully the uh, pandemic will not be a big problem a few months down the road and we can get back to normal. Well, I would think that would be one of the best blessings we'd have this year we could do that. It's just sad that we're not having the, the churches and the people's birthdays and anniversaries and things like we used to at the uh, uh, shameless funerals, you know. I just hope that we can 
finally get this thing over with and get back to some normal life. Exactly. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time, my friend, and I uh, hope you and John are able to get in the field here before too long, and we'll keep up with you as we get deeper into planting season. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. All right. Thank you, Ken, and you have a good rest of the day, buddy. Bye-bye. Been speaking to Jim Carroll of uh, Brinkley on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next up, Greg Patterson talks to Travis and Ashley Apple, specialty crop farmers in Elm Springs at Apple Farms. They run a U-Pick strawberry operation, pumpkin patch, and grow vegetables that they sell locally. Like others, they made it through the challenge of this month's snowstorm and are preparing for the growing season. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, we've got two guests. We've got Ashley and Travis Apple from Apple Farms up in northwest Arkansas, and welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. Travis, uh, question for you. Uh, you know, it's it's the middle of winter. There's dark days. and You know, if I was to travel to any farm, uh, Chances are things are going to look gray and brown, and there's no green anywhere. But you're a specialty crop farmer, and, and you know, you're not just sitting around. you got work to do. What's going on right now on Apple Farms? Well, um, I guess you, you can say that a lot of people would think that we don't have a lot going on, like you said, but... Uh, you know, we've got, uh, strawberries, um, to take care of, you know, they, it gets cold outside, um, you know, in the, anywhere below 15 degrees and we're covering those plants up hoping that, you know, we don't get any crown damage on those plants. So, um, we're, we're taking care of that. We've got pigs to feed, you know, and we got to keep them warm and, uh, give them hay and, uh, you know, make sure they got fresh water and it's not frozen. And uh, believe it or not, we're already planting uh, crops for this next summer. So um, there's quite a lot going on right now. So um, tell me this. Um, is agriculture just in your blood or how did you get started uh, in, in agriculture and farming? Well, um, I kind of I, gr- I grew up right where I'm, right where the farms at. Um, it's a family land. Uh, it's not necessarily the same type of farming that I grew up with. My my parents always raised cattle. Um, had a big garden in the backyard. Um, but as far as selling specialty crops to the public, you know, that's just something that kind of happened, um, you know. So, so were, were you sitting in uh, in school, uh, bored to tears with whatever the subject matter was and, and doodling <laughs> farm animals on a piece of paper or reading a, a farm book instead of following up on social studies or American history or or was it something that you you kind of matured into and said, "Hey, I want to try that." Yeah, it definitely wasn't something that I expected to do um, as a kid. Um, 
me personally, I kind of hated it. The experience growing up, um, you know, I was made to work, <laughs> fixing fences, and you know, uh, it's just that general kind of labor um, as a kid. So, uh, so you I, didn't you didn't favor child labor at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's come full circle though. You know, it's it's uh, I spent a little time away from Arkansas and the military, and it just kind of crept back up to me, you know, I kind of, I kind of missed it after a while and, you know, moving back here, I had the opportunity to take over the land there and I just kind of went from there. So, so you went into the military, um, you came back uh, and you got into farming, but a totally different kind of farming from what your, your parents were doing. So, uh, did you go to school to get an ag degree? I mean, how how did you get into the kind of farming you're doing now? Yeah, so I started back to school at the University of Arkansas. Um, I knew I wanted something to do with horticulture. Uh, at that time, I was thinking it was something to do with turf grass and the golf course industry. But turns out uh, uh wound up meeting a guy that worked at the university farm and uh, he grew specialty crops and he had his personal farm out in Tawnytown, uh, Dickey Farms. And I, I did my internship with him uh, for my degree out at his farm there. It just kind of opened my eyes up to a whole new possibility of, making a living that I didn't even really know was there. And uh, I, I learned so much from him, and I just kind of transferred that into my own business. So so the key component was once you got that knowledge, all of a sudden you said to yourself, wow, I've got land too, because farmland up in northwest Arkansas <laughs> over the last 30 years has disappeared a bunch, so so – You've you've been real blessed and fortunate that you had had the opportunity to move there. Now, Ashley, did you grow up on a farm? No, I didn't. I did grow up in the country, but um, I didn't really do any kind of farming other than you know working on a little garden. That was about it. And I'll say this: when we got married, I had no idea I was marrying a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea what uh, my life was going to be. I, I never expected this, that's for sure. But wow. it's, uh, we're definitely, yeah, for sure we're we're blessed in that we have, you know, that he had that land available to him and the location of it too. And I would say, yeah, having it definitely played a big part in his decision of, of going this way. Um, he wasn't even wow. done with school when he started the strawberries. I mean, we, he was still in, in school when he planted the first patch of strawberries. So, Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about strawberries, Travis. Um, you know, people wouldn't be thinking that anything's happening with strawberries right now. Um, but you're, you know, you're in the middle of, of cold weather and, and what's going on with strawberries. Kind of take us through What's a year of strawberries look like for you? Yeah, so believe it or not, uh, 
um, strawberry production has came a long way from from the uh, even from the 80s. So we plant strawberries every single year, um, whereas you know previously and it was done on a you know you kept strawberries for multiple years. Um, but uh, so starting in uh September we get our um strawberry tips in they come out of Canada mm-hmm. um they ship them to us in a refrigerated truck and you know it's kind of a time crunch and we we plant these tips into potting soil and let them root for about a month and then by the end of September we're we're planting out in the field um so it's you know for that month there we're we're constantly making sure those plants have water until they get rooted. Then we plant them out in the field, and then it takes us into taking care of them over the winter, um, covering them up when it's going to be cold, pulling weeds, you know, just general labor, making sure that it, everything's going smooth. Right. Uh, come next spring, um, usually about April or. Um, starting to pick strawberries that I guess previous to that, you know, the, the month prior to us. So the whole month of March, we're probably pulling that cover on and off the field two or three times a week. Um, if it's going to be below freezing at night, so those blooms don't freeze. So it's, 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 you know, it, it, it's funny. You, you talk about pulling covers on and off and it brings to mind the image of, you know, a baseball game when it starts to rain and they have to run out and, you know, cover the field and that kind of thing. Literally, that's what you have to do is you've got to cover that field and keep those those plants from freezing. All right. Absolutely. It's very uh, much a necessity, but it's it's uh, very labor labor intensive. You know, it requires several people, uh, you know, and it's, you know, you're talking about acres of land being covered up by this big cover, you know, so it can be heavy at times, you know, especially if it's wet and it's been raining or, wow, uh, you know, it's even, we've even dealt with the cover being frozen together. So, that, you know, that makes it even more difficult and more time consuming. So Now, now Ashley, you've got a, um, it's a U-pick operation when, when, you know, strawberries are ready, if I understand correctly, what y'all are doing. And and is that something you got into immediately, or did that mature into where you were having the public, you know, come and pick berries? It, we started off with it being you pick. Um, we, in the past, have struggled. You know, you can't find people to come pick strawberries for us to sell on pre-picked. There's so many, you know, we can't get them all picked. So we started off with it being to pick your own, mm-hmm. um, which it just had to be. We have so many, we have to. But that's where, I mean, that's what people want to do anyway. So it works out better. But I would say, you know, Travis could answer better, but this past year I, we have just as many people probably wanting them pre-picked. And we have been lucky enough in the last year to to get that help, getting them picked so that we could, sell them already picked. So we do both, but um, definitely that, that like tourism part of it, of people getting to come out and experience that and figure out what a strawberry looks like on the plant and getting to pick it off. I mean, that's, 
that's really where it's at. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, uh, especially in an area as urban as northwest Arkansas has become, you guys offer a, a real unique experience that families can participate in, and and I'm sure they really appreciate being able to come on the farm. Yes, they do. I mean, and you can just see the kids. You know, we have pigs out there, too, and so they get out there and get their strawberries, and they're just as excited to go stand by the fence and look at the pigs. I mean, it's just something about being at an actual farm when we're literally just like a mile off the interstate, you know, where there's a big city. They just don't expect that right there, I guess. Um, And it does definitely set us apart with our location and people being able to easily access us right there. Now, Travis, was was ag tourism kind of part of your plan after you went through and got your degree and got your apprenticeship work done at Dickey Farms? And did that kind of, did the light bulb go off in in your head and you said, hmm, maybe I can do some some ag tourism here? Yeah, we... We definitely pushed it from the get go. Um, I knew I knew the location was pretty awesome. You know, it's, uh, it, we got a road frontage there, and there's so many cars driving to and from work um, on this road that we're on. And but you know, since the first year that we opened, that was my main goal because I knew that labor was going to be a big issue for me, um, seasonal labor at that. You know, it's, it's definitely can't employ somebody throughout the whole year because it's very seasonal work. But So I wanted to rely on people coming out there and and uh, having to pick your own operation. And I think, I think that uh, mentality has just stuck with me this whole time and you know, it's it just keeps growing and growing, and you know we can't be more happy with the way things are going at this point in time. So, okay, so we've talked about strawberries. We know you've got strawberries, and and you know the window for you pick is in the spring strawberry season. Um, you've got some some pigs on the farm as well, but what else are you growing? Kind of tell me this is what our farm produces and this is who we sell to and at, at these different times of year. I, I assume you have people who stop by and buy vegetables or, or whatever. Yes, we actually have, so there's a house on the property, um, which is actually the house that Travis grew up in, um, and we've turned it into a, a little store and we also put in a commercial kitchen. Wow. Um yeah, so we during the summer we sell all of our produce out of the house there um or the mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. And we start with strawberries and that just turns into all kinds of our summer stuff. We've got tomatoes. I think we planted maybe 5,000 tomato plants last year. Um that's our next biggest thing after strawberries. Wow. We've got squash, okra, purple hole peas, zucchini, Brussels sprouts, he does some different lettuces, um, peppers, cucumbers. I know there's things I'm not naming, but pretty much all the summer produce that you can think of, I feel like we grow. <laughs> so so if I was to walk into a farmer's market, chances are you're growing it up there. 
Yes, we um, maybe not all of it, um, but a lot of the basic stuff. Yes, we right, we're growing right. it. Um, yeah, and we, you know, he always it seems like every year he's adding something else. He's trying out something else. You know, like last year we did something called kohlrabi, which I'd never even heard of, but um, he always finds something unique to add. It seems like so. I'm I don't not know what sure it's going to be this I, year. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd do with the kohlrabi if I had one. But uh, I didn't that, know either. <laughs> that's interesting. Now you did mention a commercial kitchen, so how how does that come into play? So we started um, with the commercial kitchen. We started doing a breakfast. Uh, we haven't done it in the last year just because of the COVID stuff. But the point of the breakfast was so that people could try our sausage because we did start the pig thing um, and we uh, sell retail cuts of pork. And so the point of the breakfast was we were using all of our ingredients, you know, all of our pork um, and then things also, you know, peppers and onions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um, and our eggs. And so the point of that was just an opportunity for people to be able to try the, the pork um, and people really loved it, and it kind of turned into a thing. We were just doing it once a month, um, and we had hoped to u- to do it more often, but that's when the virus hit, and so that just all kind of right. came to a halt. Um, we also had the the goal of maybe featuring different chefs in there um, for monthly farm-to-table dinners. Um, that kind of come to a stop, too, in the last year with yeah, everything happening, yeah. but that's still a goal that we hope, you know, we can see happen. But, there, yeah, just having that kitchen, we have a chef that rents the kitchen from us. She's a personal chef and has her own little business, but she also helps us um, throughout the summer. Like last year, we anything that we had extra of, you know, she puts a recipe together and we did prepared dishes. So we did like a ratatouille dish. Um, a zucchini bake. We mm-hmm. prepare salsa in there with all of our tomato ingredients. Um, we did strawberry freezer jam. So it's just, it's kind of like endless opportunities with that kitchen and we're not even fully, you know, using it yet. Wow. That sounds like it's really Im- impressive. Do you have like special weekends where, you know, you would do something for, you know, Memorial Day or Mother's Day or Fourth of July or anything like that where you, you involve your kitchen? We The only event really that we have got established is our Mother's Day barbecue, which we have a big smoker outside, and Travis smokes um, pork shoulder, and we do barbecue sandwiches, and that's during strawberry season, and it's a big deal. I think we've done it three years in a row now. Um, it's not really using our kitchen much because we're smoking the meat outside, but that's the only event we really have established right now that has become a pretty big thing. Tra- so everybody Travis. comes out, picks strawberries, eats barbecue, and has a picnic. <laughs> Tra- Travis, you are the typical Southern boy. You're 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 farming. You're you're doing barbecue. You're uh, involved in a lot of things. What else are you doing on the farm there, Travis? Do you have chickens or anything like that yeah uh we always try to keep some chickens uh, for the for the eggs mostly um we do we do sell chicken meat but it's not from our farm it's from another farm down the road mm-hmm. but uh you've i think as a farmer 
you've got to be like a kind of well-rounded person. You know, you got to be able to like fix something when it breaks. You got to be able, you know, it's just a kind of you got to have that mentality to um, be. You know, you you just got to be a go-getter. I guess you got to, you know, be able to fix something when it breaks, or you know, go out in the field when it's cold. You just got to be a, you know. Jack of all trades, I guess. You yeah, you just got, you just have to get it done. Now, now you mentioned your apprenticeship, um, you know, on Dickey Farms, and and so that obviously was a great experience for you, and and you've actually had some apprentices on your farm as well. And tell us, tell us how that came about. Yeah, um, this is our second year. Um, you know, the apprenticeship program started last year, and we were um, excited to hear about it and excited to be a part of the program, you know, just to be able to give back, um, you know, because I know it helped me so much. Um, not the same program, but, it, you know, it's pretty much the same kind of deal there that, you know, all these young young guys or girls are learning, right. you know, a valuable trade. And it's, you know, I'm just glad that we're able to help them out and teach them um, what I've learned. Now, Ashley, tell us, um, obviously, you guys have probably established some great customer relationships with families that come back. I talk to farmers all the time who do agri-tourism, whether it's a pumpkin patch or you pick strawberries or or anything like that, and they have families that come back repeatedly and, and customers, so I'm sure you guys do too. We definitely do. Um, I always say we have the best customers, and Travis is not a huge talker, um, but that's what I'm there for, I guess. You know, when you get him started talking about farming, he doesn't seem to be quiet, but as far as developing those relationships and stuff, I I'm really social, and sometimes I need to just be quiet. But it you, seems to you be compliment a each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I do. I love, um, you know, I, I was in accounting before. I guess I'm going on three years now, not working and just being at the farm full time. I, but before that, I worked with the public, and I enjoyed that developing the relationships and stuff. And so I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to at least carry that over. And especially with our store and the people coming in, you know, I feel like I talk to every single one of them and I know something about every single person that comes in, it seems like. So I really try um, to develop that relationship. I enjoy it, you know, and then it's, it's good. You know, I, I think it's important for people to know who we are and know the farmer, um, to trust us and, you know, just developing that whole relationship. So we definitely do have lots of customers that they, you know, they get real excited about strawberry season and then we see them all year with summer produce and then they come back for pumpkins in the fall. So we are seeing a lot of the same people over and over again and and we love that. Now, now Travis, do you all grow your own pumpkins or do you have them shipped in or how's that work? Yeah, uh, we grow everything Pretty much that we say. We, um, we try not to. I like to support other farms. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's not a whole lot of margin there, uh, right, right? As far as that goes, but most of the, um, we're growing everything that we sell there, and uh, so it's it kind of complements 
the strawberries so it's in this annual production with the strawberries by the time they get done and and we get a chance to clean that field out um we're reusing that field for pumpkins so we're getting two crops off of one field uh the same year uh so it kind of works out that way well, it sounds wonderful what you guys have got going on up there. We've been talking today on this edition of Arkansas AgCast with Travis and Ashley Apple of Apple Farms. And and uh, Ashley, tell us exactly where you're located in case some of our listeners would like to visit y'all and if you all have a, a website or a Facebook page or something that our listeners could uh learn more about what y'all are doing. So our address is 5909 Elm Springs Road in Springdale. We are literally, I think, one mile off of 49. Um, oh, wow. Um, yeah, on the Elm Springs Road exit. So we, you, we're not real hard to find. Um, we don't have a website right now that is um, in the works. Mm-hmm. So right now you can we put everything on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, it's kind of quiet during the winter, but yes, uh, all summer we're very active on there, and that's how our customers um, can know what's going on. Well, she is Ashley Apple, and he is Travis Apple of Apple Farms, and thank you so much for spending time with us today on Arkansas AgCast. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thanks a lot, Greg. Finally, Keith Sutton talks to Arkansas Farm Bureau State Affairs Director Jeff Pitchford about what's happening with Arkansas Farm Bureau's priority legislative issues this week at the state capitol. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. And today, once again, my guest is Jeff Pitchford, Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations at Farm Bureau. Jeff, uh, it's been kind of a different week with all the bad weather, not a lot has been happening down at the Capitol, but we still want to give folks an update on what's going on. What you well, <laughs> well, thanks, Keith. Well, like everybody else, the Arkansas General Assembly was digging out of the snow as well, and and so we, we've seen it all kind of melt away, and so uh, they're back at it this, this week. Um, and obviously, uh, they've got some time to make up. They went out of session... Uh, about 10 days ago uh, and went out early that left that Wednesday and Thursday of the previous week besides all of last week. So they, they've lost about 10 days in the session. So you might see, uh, we might see a little bit of a, of a little bit hurried, a little more hurried pace uh, start to happen because we've, we've lost a week and a half of this, of the session. And here we are in the last week of February. So, there is a resolution out there to send everybody home by April the 9th, and so they have a lot of work to do. Uh, the budget process is still in full swing, and that will take some time. Uh, there's a lot of bills out there, and I think a lot more bills that are going to be filed. And so uh, besides that, they'll be voting on constitutional potential constitutional amendments and um and everything. I will do an update, something that going into the session was also on their plate, but it may be, looks like it's going to be delayed. You know, every 10 years, the state or the United States does a census. And of course, that's important for, for Arkansas to count its citizens. Well, the um, 
United States Congress congressional districts are drawn up from that census, as well as the Arkansas General Assembly, the 100 House seats and 35 state uh, Senate seats. Well, the Census Bureau has come out and said that uh, there's going to be some big-time delays fixing some mistakes and and counting. And so the state is not going to get the numbers for Arkansas until sometime in September uh, of this year. Uh, the legislature was going to do redistricting, you know, during this session. So uh, you're already hearing folks say, well, obviously we'll have to come back and have a special session this fall to uh, divvy up. The state legislature does the districting for the congressional seats as well as um, – so they vote on that, and then you've got uh, the commission of the governor – the Secretary of State and the Attorney General uh, do the line, do the drawing of the lines for the state reps and state senators. So uh, that was kind of some news that's come out over the past past week. So um, so a lot of things happening. All right, uh, I know too, Jeff. Uh, we were supposed to have a virtual Farmers Day at the Capitol and. I guess that got changed a little bit. Are we still encouraging our members to give a call to to their representatives? Yeah, absolutely. Um, more than ever, because of um, COVID nineteen and the limitations that we have, and of course, again, we can't have Farmers Day at the Capitol in person. We're just encouraging everyone do a thirty second video on your smartphone, uh, email it in to us at Farm Bureau or uh, send a text message or an email uh, or a phone call. Uh, good old-fashioned phone calls work really good, too. And um, just to, to reach out and touch uh, base with your local legislator, especially if you have a relationship with uh, that person already, can they, um, they know who you are when you call. Uh, I tell you, it is probably the most effective lobbying tool out there to uh, to advocate for agriculture is for someone back home to to call their legislator and touch base with them and talk to them. We've been encouraging our county offices to have a Zoom call with their legislators and and do do meetings that way. So we certainly want to encourage, keep encouraging that to everybody to reach out this week to uh, to the legislators and let them know the things that are important to you and important to agriculture. Well, we appreciate the update once again, Jeff, and uh, we've been trying to do these updates each week, and we'll try to do another one as we roll into next week. Uh, you got it. for your time. You bet, Keith. Thanks. That's all for another Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with more news and views on Arkansas agriculture.